0: Now, a few years ago, a young man, Matthew Bryce, from Lanarkshire, uh, decided to go out surfing, as he always does on Sunday mornings. So he drives off uh, to the Westport car park in the Kintia Peninsula. He walks us off his surfboard, and then he goes out at sea at 11 a.m. to catch some waves, as the surfers say. But as time passes, Matthew begins to panic. The tides and the winds, you see, are carrying him out further into the sea. And his life now has turned into a nightmare. On any day of surfing, Matthew should only be in the water for about four hours. But now the sun is setting and his hope of rescue has all but died down what started as a normal day in Matthew's life has morphed into days of darkness that are now swallowing his life at sea. He is literally at the end of his rock. Life is full of many of these lost at sea situations, uh, situations where we do not know where to turn for rescue and we are desperate seeking comfort. And when you look at the nation today, it is actually currently in such a situation, isn't it? COVID-19 is still around, but there's flu as well now. And of course, we are in a recession, record inflation at 10% plus. And everyone is on strike, it seems. It's going on strike. Crime is rising everywhere. There is war in Europe. And of course, we are on our third prime minister. And uh, there's still questions on him already, isn't there, about whether he's going to be booted out in the new year. And of course, Queen Elizabeth died this year, and uh, the royal family is at war, and uh, Peg and King Charles is on the throne. It just couldn't get worse, could it? I think we can summarize this year with one word, isn't it? The, the year has been dark. It's another dark year. We are living in dark times, aren't uh, we? And the question that presents us now is, why is our world so dark? Why do we live in a world of so much pain and disappointment? Why so much darkness around us? Now, the world cannot give a meaningful answer to this question. As I said last week, no matter what you are learning in school, what books you are reading, it can't actually answer that question meaningfully at best or Your learning and everything you know, all the world can say to you is that that's just how life is. We live in a dark world. Why? Well, that's just our human nature. That's not an answer, is it? It's just explaining, it's just stating the facts. We live in a dark world. It doesn't give us the answer. But what about the Bible? What does the Bible have to say about our helpless situation in the world? Well, the Bible's answer starts with bad news, right? The bad news is that our situation is even much worse than we realize. It is bigger than bad leadership. It's bigger than COVID-19. It's bigger than the war in Ukraine. Our situation is that we are facing three hopeless situations, actually. First of all, human beings are currently drifting In the hopeless sea of human sin. That's what the Bible says. We have all rebelled against God, the God who created us in his image. And that is why we are never satisfied, no matter how many things we have in life. This is is also the reason why people are always fighting each other. It is the reason why there is so much suffering in the world. We are not living as God created us to live. We are living in rebellion against God. That's problem number one, sin. We are all sinners. This is the world we made with our sin, to a degree. Secondly, all of us are drifting in the hopeless sea of death. The Bible says the penalty of our rebellion against God is death in all its manifestations. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, their spiritual life with God died. They could not relate to God because they were full of sin. And after they died, after they were cut off from God, they began dying physically, because God couldn't allow sinners to live forever. So all human beings die now. There is no vaccine against death. And when people die, they go to hell to suffer never-ending punishment from God for their sins. It's an uncomfortable truth. We don't want to hear it, but it is true. God, he is holy and just. Our sin must be punished. He wouldn't be a good God if he let us get away with sin. He would be unreliable. So the justice of God is just as important as his love to us. In fact, justice is God's love in action to us. Our sin must be punished. So the human race is in effect drifting in the hopeless sea of, not only the hopeless sea of sin, but the hopeless sea of death Death in all of its form, we are under the darkness of spiritual, physical, and eternal death. The third problem, as we learned last week, for those of you who are here, is that there's a third problem, which is everyone in this world is born in a spiritual prison run by the devil. The devil is a reality. You cannot explain what's going on in the world without taking into account that there is a spiritual force, a dark force. Behind all the evil we see. The devil is an angel who has rebelled against God. And the devil uses sin to control people, the Bible says. He wants every human being to sin against God. And then he wants you to die. And then he wants you to go to hell forever. That's the devil's mission in your life. And no human being can resist the devil because human beings cannot help themselves but sin. Sin is not just outside of us. It is in our hearts. Our hearts are full of evil and rebellion against God. So those are the three hopeless situations you're in. Sin, right, death, and the devil. Right? And that is the bad news. The life of every person is more hopeless than we ever imagined, than you ever imagined. But there is good news. And good news comes just in one word. Christmas. Christmas. The Bible says that God became man that first Christmas to rescue us from darkness. Baby Jesus, who the children told us about not long ago, is God coming to us as our comforter. Is comfort dressed in our flesh? And we find this amazing news in all the events of the first Christmas, of course, and especially in the passage we are looking at this morning in Luke chapter two. Verse 25 to 33. Uh, I'm going to look at this in a moment. We can summarize this passage, the wonderful truth this passage is teaching us in just one sentence. It is teaching us that Jesus is God's gift of lasting comfort to us. Jesus is God's gift of lasting comfort to us. This is what I just want us to learn briefly this morning. Look with me there at verse 25 in your Bibles, verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. We are told here that Mary and Joseph have come to Jerusalem to present baby Jesus before the priest as required by the Jewish law. And in the city of Jerusalem, there is a man called Simeon who has been waiting all of his life for the desperate situation in this country to change. Look at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous And devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, many of us are looking at the worsening situation in this country, and we are desperate, longing for things in the country to change. And perhaps you are looking at your life at the moment, and you are longing for things to become better. But as bad as our situation is in this country, Simeon's situation is much worse. His country is under a brutal Roman occupation, overseen by King Herod. The Jews are treated as second-class citizens in their own country. It is a state of humiliation, and when we think about such a situation, it is perhaps similar to what the Rohingya uh, went through or continue to go through. They desperately need help. Many in Israel this time have lost hope of change. But a few people like this man, Simeon, are still trusting that God will intervene in their lives to change things for his people. And we are told here that Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, the original word for consolation is comfort or solace. Simeon is waiting for his people to be alleviated of discomfort. And God the Holy Spirit has filled this godly man with hope in face of despair. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Since the the days of the Old Testament, God had promised his people that he would send them a deliverer or a ruler, the Messiah, or the Lord's Christ. And God the Holy Spirit has somehow revealed to Simeon that he's not going to die, what a promise, until he receives this lasting comfort of the coming of the Messiah. Think about that. It is the most extraordinary promise. People promise us many things in life, but no one in this world can guarantee anything to us except God. Let alone guarantee that you would not die. What a promise. Do you remember not long ago, we were promised by the HM, uh, Majesty's government, that lockdowns would safeguard our health and wealth. Right? Now, if you look at the country today, we see excess deaths, more than we saw even during COVID. And we're looking at a wrecked economy. We're looking at a world in flux. The promise of men i not worth anything. The promise God has given Simeon is not like such man-made promises. God's promise of lasting comfort to Simeon and the nation of Israel is a cast-iron guarantee it will happen. God says, you're going to keep living until Jesus comes. Right? And it's happening. It is a promise, not only because God is all-knowing or present... And all powerful, it is a promise Simeon could rely on because God has unfailing love for his covenant people. And so it happens that the moment that Simeon has been waiting for all his life arrives, Simeon sees Mary and Joseph enter the temple. Look at verse 27 to 31 there. And he came into, in the spirit, that means just led by the Holy Spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, According to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all peoples. Strange words, aren't they? Right? What strange words to say about a child that you hardly know? Right, imagine a stranger saying this about your child. I think you just run away, wouldn't you? <laughs> right, but this is not an ordinary child. This child is the Messiah. Simeon says the child is a fulfillment of all God's promise to save His people. But notice that it is not just a promise to the nation of Israel. God is offering this lasting comfort to anyone in the whole world who trusts in Jesus. Look at verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus, regardless of your background, you will find lasting comfort and salvation in God. Now, how is this possible? Well, because this baby Jesus, in the gentle hands of Simeon, is God himself entering human history. And this is a sensational message of Christmas, isn't it? The central message of Christmas is that salvation does not come from ourselves, or from following some super-religion, or some great scientific formula. No, true salvation comes from God's action of sending his Messiah at a particular place, in a particular time, and through a particular person. And this person is God himself who has put on our humanity as the Lord Jesus Christ. This baby Jesus is Emmanuel. As the children remind us, he is God with us. Our Lord Jesus is God, the creator of heaven and earth, himself entering human history. And as we stare into the horizon of history, we see baby Jesus grow up. He begins to live the life we couldn't live. And then he goes there on that cross, doesn't he? He dies a shameful death on the cross among two criminals. The amazing comfort of Christmas is that right there, Fastened to that Roman cross. Is God the creator looking at you. It is God the creator dying for your sins and mine. God is on that cross to take on himself. The filthiness and the rottenness of your sin. To die the death you deserve. In order to give you life with God. New life with God. Now, back to Matthew. It is after sunset now. And our lost Sefer Matthew is still drifting off the Kintia Peninsula. Nighttime comes and he sees some distant ships and fishing boats. He calls out to them, but there is no answer. Sunrise comes and goes. Matthew is still alive, but still drifting. He now knows in his heart that there will be no rescue. But then, the sound of the helicopter overhead. Matthew takes his surfing board and he waves it to the helicopter to draw some attention. But the helicopter just flies past him. And so he sinks again in despair. And then there is hope again. Because the chopper, you see, now turns... And flies back to rescue him. And here is how Matthew describes that moment the helicopter turned. He says, but then they turned around. When I saw them turn around, it was indescribable. It was the worst and greatest moment of my life. These guys were the most beautiful sight I had ever seen. I hold my life to them. As I think about Matthew's situation at that vital moment of rescue, it parallels our experience of coming to true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, as I said before, all human beings are drifting towards the abyss of hopelessness. A life without lasting comfort. And we could describe that as the worst moment of our lives. Because being without God is the worst thing for a human being. Because it means you live an empty and futile life. A life of sin that is heading to eternal suffering in hell. But you see, Jesus has come like that helicopter, hasn't he? He has come to turn that worst moment into the best moment of your life. Christmas is God turning towards you to save you. On that first Christmas, God, who was within his rights just to fly past you, turned towards you while you were still in love with sin and hating it, God humbled himself in love. He put on the rags of human flesh to show you the full weight of his love so that he could rescue you for himself. But for you to be rescued by God, you must welcome Jesus' mission to rescue you. If Matthew didn't just say, I don't want to be rescued, I'll remain there. And the same thing for you, you must accept you are in need to be rescued. And that's just by you recognize you cannot save yourself, isn't it? You need to put your whole trust in the death of Jesus to save you from sin. Ask God to truly forgive your sins. Because Jesus has paid the penalty for you. And if you do that this moment, your sins will be forgiven and you become a true child of God and you have life with God forever. That's John 3, verse 16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Imagine a person under death penalty. Right? They're on death row, say, in the, one of the states, like Texas in the U.S. They're on death row, right? And they're also infected with a terminal illness at the same time. So if that person is simply released from prison, from death row, it won't do them any good, isn't it? Because they're still going to die. If they were just cured of the terminal illness by remaining in prison, it won't do them any good because they're going to be executed anyway. To truly serve that person, they need both to be pardoned and to be healed. You are that person this morning. You need God not only to forgive your sin against him by Jesus dying for you. You need God to give you new life. You need God to come and live in you. And this is what God is offering you through Jesus. Jesus has come to not only to forgive your sin by dying on the cross, but to come and live in you through the Holy Spirit. To be your very lasting comfort from within. Whatever your situation this morning, this lasting comfort of God through Jesus is the answer to your deepest longing. This is your answer you're looking for. This is where true happiness begins. Life with Jesus. And for our children, this is it. This is what they need going going forward in life. And as parents, this must be our priority to show them Jesus. The comforter from without and from within. They can have anything in this world, education, this and that. If they don't have this, their life remains futile, empty, and headed for hell. And so I encourage you this morning, if you do not yet trust in Jesus, to do that. Repent of your sin. Come to him. Let Jesus save you today. Become a true Christian. Not simply a box ticking. That's not good. You must have true faith in Jesus. True repentance. And I encourage parents to show, to teach their children, especially this Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas. Now, if you're a true follower of Jesus, let me just give you two quick comforts from Simeon to help you think about and to comfort you through this Christmas period. If this is only for true believers. If you have truly repented and come to true faith in Jesus, these comforts are for you. Two comforts. First, because Jesus came that first Christmas, you have the comfort of God's faithfulness in whatever suffering you are going through. This Christmas, you have the comfort of God's faithfulness in whatever suffering you are going through. Look at verse 29. Look what Simeon says. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word." Simeon is praising God for keeping his word to Simeon personally. And he has kept his word to the nation as well. Israel, by sending the Messiah, Jesus. So Christmas reminds us that we serve a God, if we're a true Christian, who keeps his promises. We can be sure of every promise God has made in the Bible, he will keep to you, if you're a true believer. He has promised you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This Christmas, keep trusting God to keep you through thick and thin. He has said, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He is still keeping it. You are clean before God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So bring your sin to him. The Lord Jesus has said, surely I am coming soon. Trust his word. And say with the Apostle John with your whole heart, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. When life seems bleak, let us remember that Jesus is God our Father. That in Jesus, God is our Father. The God of Jesus who keeps his promise. This is what kept Simeon going, the faithfulness of God. And this is what should be keeping you going this Christmas. No matter what situation you are in. Know the word of God and trust his word to keep it. Trust the word of God to keep, it, to keep his word. Secondly and finally, because Jesus came that first Christmas, we have the comfort of the unstoppable glorious grace of God. The comfort of God's glorious grace in Jesus. Look at verse 29 to verse 32 there. Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation That you are prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory, and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon is saying that in Jesus, God will shower on Israel amazing glory. Jesus is the King of Israel who will be crowned with glory and splendor. And all people, not just believing Jews. But all who trust in Jesus will share in the amazing light and glory of this new king of Israel. You know, there is woven in the heart of each one of us a desire for glory. And you soon see it uh, on display. New year when it comes, there will be sort of New Year's honors list. And what will be amazing is just how people who are so rich will get excited about honors list. I mean, you've got millions and millions and millions. And yet you want your name there on that honors list. What is that about? Because we all long for glory. And actually, interesting enough, money is not enough in that sense. You want glory. That's the M. Not people have money for glory. You see, there's a longing in all of us for glory. And this longing is not evil, actually. It has been hardwired in us by God. He created us with a desire to be significant, to be honored, to be praised and exalted, we might say. But we were meant to find these things not in ourselves, but in being in a perfect relationship with God. We were created to be great in God, to be glorified in Him. But we rebelled against God. Do you remember the temptation of the serpent to Adam and Eve? You shall be like God. Right? We gave in to that. We wanted our own greatness. And so all of us now are searching for glory in many things. Things which can never really satisfy us. Which can never give us this longing for significance that we long for. To be somebody. Simeon is saying, Jesus came to plug us into his eternal glory. So that we can truly enjoy the greatness we long for. Jesus is God's glory to us. Now, I know this morning hearing this is easy, but living it is difficult. It is hard to believe, as a follower of Jesus, that you share in the glory of God in Jesus when you're struggling with an illness. It is hard to believe you share in the glory of Jesus when you're praying for God to give you work and it is not happening. It is hard to believe you share in the glory of Jesus when your prayers for your family seems to not be answered. But this passage is reminding us that this is the blessing of, becoming, of God becoming man in Jesus. It is that all who trust in Jesus really, truly have the comfort of the glory of God in their lives. And there is more glory to come. So the question for you and I is this. Whose report are we going to believe this morning? The report of our feelings and the circumstances? Or the report of the word of God? Will you trust the feelings that are always changing? Or will you believe that now that you've come to Christ, well, the glory of God is yours in Christ? Now, I want you to imagine if you truly believe this truth, that Jesus has brought you the comfort of his glory. How would your life look like this Christmas season? Well, it would mean an end to glory hunting. The Christmas shopping and everything you're doing won't be about trying to look good. You know, we're all searching for glory in things, aren't we? More money, better family, better church, better beauty. But Christmas says, if you are in Jesus, you already have it. Stop hunting for glory in things that are passing away. You have it in Jesus forever. I think it also means more denying yourself this Christmas. You seek to do things beyond yourself. You'll be taking up the cross and truly following him. Even the way you buy gifts will be denying yourself to bless others. And the Lord Jesus will be first in your conversation, wouldn't he? You'll seek opportunities to share him this Christmas with others. Why is that? Well, because he left the glories of heaven so that you can share the comfort of his glory. You say he's my greatest friend and he deserves my life, my hope this Christmas. Not just on Christmas, but forever. And if you truly believe this truth, it would lead you to want to know this Jesus more and more because his glory is ultimately shared with you, isn't it? So are you a true follower of Jesus this morning? Well, this Christmas, follow the example of old Simeon. When he saw Jesus, he rested in the comfort of Jesus. He was able to say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. This Christmas season, follow old Simeon. Rest in the comfort of God's faithfulness in Jesus, and rest in the comfort of God's glorious grace in Jesus. Amen.